Hello and welcome to Media MD, your weekly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And this week, Elliot, I'm prescribing you a movie. Uh, it's called Hunt for the Wilder People. What do you know about it? Uh, well, I just found out about the title. So, yep, so far so good. Yep, that's that. This segment and, is And over. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, so the this movie is by a director called Taika Waititi, who I'm yep. sure you know already. Okay. Um, who is rapidly becoming one of my favorite directors. Uh, he's probably, he probably first gained like pop culture notoriety from the movie What We Do in the Shadows, yeah. which is a, a mockumentary about vampires in New Zealand and, and how they live their day-to-day life, right? Yeah. Uh, but he, he's kind of directed some episodes of TV shows and stuff before that and a few uh, quite good movies. Um, so he did What We Do in the Shadows and then he's also probably quite well known for directing Thor Ragnarok, the third and only good Thor movie. <laughs> um, I mean, the first one wasn't terrible, but he, he, well, look, Ragnarok still shits on it. So, If if the best thing you can say about a movie is it wasn't terrible, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and, and so that's also a movie that, that I think got a lot of praise for being quite, um, quite like stylish, you know, and, and well made. Yeah, um, definitely. And in, in between these two movies, he released another movie which did quite well, called Hunt for the Wilder People. Actually, I just found out as I was googling some, as I was reading the Wikipedia page just then, it's the highest-grossing opening weekend for a New Zealand movie because Hobbit and Lord of the Rings don't technically count as New Zealand movies by whatever metric this was using. Yeah, well, I mean, it wouldn't be any fun to count them because I know, right? That's che- that's like cheating. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, actually, of the three movies that we've mentioned, I think this is probably my least favorite of the three. But looking at what we do in the shadows, which is like quite a uh, subdued, like uh, cinematographically, is that a word? Quite a subdued movie from a filmmaking perspective. Um, yeah, and it's... Thor Ragnarok, which is like yeah. so over the top and bombastic. This is a movie that is very well made and probably the the most well made of the three okay uh so you're talking just specifically visuals or writing or just sort of all of the above all all of the above i think okay um yeah it's a it's it's not a comedy or it kind of is i don't know how to it's like an adventure movie it's hard to describe okay it, 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 adventure is even the wrong word because that has connotations of like indiana jones and shit right yeah this is a movie about a, a 13-year-old boy who has been in and out of the foster care system who goes to live with two uh, like middle to late-aged New Zealand people on a farm who kind of adopt him. Um, okay. And things get things go out of control from there a bit, but the, the, the kind of core of this film is him bonding with the uncle um, and, and kind of learning to be a a better human and and teaching the uncle to be a bit of a better human as well. Okay. The the thing that I like the most about this movie and I was rewatching it quite recently and and it, this is what really sticks out to me about it is it's so fucking stylish, you know? Um why well, don't? That's, that's think, why we're here. <laughs> well, you'll find out. It's <laughs> uh so the movie opens with this this like long set of shots of just the wilderness, like the the kind of bushland around where this farm is, that the story is going to take place. Sure. And 
with this with this kind of orchestral epic music that actually is quite reminiscent of like Lord of the Rings or something, you know? Yeah. And it's it just uh, it it sets up this weird recurring theme throughout the movie of how kind of fantasy esque this movie is. Um, <laughs> it's hard to describe without you having seen parts of it, but um, yeah, because I'm getting a very confused image at the moment because you're talking about like like sort of how the driving thing is this is this kid and his uncle or whatever and that yeah that says to me like a much more a, a much smaller more personal sort of story but then you also said it's kind of an adventure thing so i'm i'm not sure what i'm expecting at this point i guess yeah i that's good i think i think that's <laughs> a good way for you to go into the movie because um it's it it does it, it does blend tones in a very interesting way. And and I think this is kind of evident in something like Thor Ragnarok or What We Do in the Shadows, where those are comedies, right? They're overtly comedies, yeah. but they do have their their moments where they're very like competently able to wave in um moments of, of seriousness or or like sadness um into these movies, right? Yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People isn't as overtly a comedy. It's comedic, but it's it's kind of it shifts tones quite a lot. It lands much more squarely in the middle. There are a couple of moments in this movie where it's like genuinely heartbreaking, <laughs> um, and there are also some moments in this movie where it's very fucking funny. Um, but it's I wouldn't say it's as funny as some of his other movies, but I I would say it it hits a much bigger variety of emotions and does so a lot more kind of deftly. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk too much about what those moments are because they, part of the the joy of this movie is it kind of unravels in a very weird direction as you watch it in a direction that you definitely aren't expecting it to. Um, despite me having said this to you, I'm sure it will still kind of catch <laughs> you off guard. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of cool. I want to, I want to touch back on what I said about it, kind of having this fantasy element there's this one moment where where the 13 year old boy sees a, a girl a cute girl and it it basically just plays out a ridiculously over the top kind of thing of her flipping her hair with the kind of music and and the light source shining from behind her <laughs> yeah, and it's sure and and then there are a couple of like three or four shots in a row where it crossfades to her from different angles and it's it's very clearly like I don't know. It's a, it's it's over the top as well, I think, um, but not so over the top in your face as uh, fucking Thor Ragnarok would be, you know. Y- yeah, I think I, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I really like this movie because of its heart. This is a movie that has a lot of heart. You you, you do get really invested in all of these characters, even though they're kind of <laughs> they're the kind of characters that if you knew any of them in real life you would be annoyed by them. <laughs> um, they play off of each other with such heart that it's very, uh, it, it's, it's, it's compelling. And the ending of the movie, I think <laughs> it's weird because throughout the movie, it's kind of divided into chapters where a title card will appear on the screen. It'll say chapter two and then a, a subheading, you know? Sure. Um, and this is adapted from a book. So I'm not sure if those chapters are, are taken straight from that book or not. I haven't read it, but... And actually, now that I mention it, I think it skips chapters. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if this is just something that I think I realized last time I was watching it, is that it starts with like chapter two, 
that's the first one that I remember seeing. And then it goes like chapter four, and then I think like seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know. Anyway, so at the end of the story, uh, it, I think it kind of leaves itself on too much of a downer and then has this epilogue that I think they needed to have to just to make <laughs> it not a downer at the ending. Um Okay. So it resolves quite it resolves quite nicely. So it, and quite hopeful. It doesn't feel like cuz obviously there's tons of other movies that have had their endings altered to be more positive because, you know, they they showed it to test audiences who didn't who didn't like the oh. negative ending. <laughs> the, it, but it's not forced like that. Like this is just something you think they probably felt like they needed to do. Yeah. I think it's I think they the only reason it's called an epilogue is because it kind of the story wraps up and then some there's another little bit at the end you know like yeah, like sure. the 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 plot of the movie is about this one specific thing that happens um and that thing is resolved at the end of the last chapter but it's but the actual interactions between the characters aren't fully resolved and so they have the epilogue like i don't know i think the epilogue calling it an epilogue is just a stylish thing to indicate that it takes place after the actual main event of the film yeah sure so it's it's more about rounding out sub arcs than the main arc basically yeah i'm i'm gonna talk about one weird thing i don't know if it's a criticism but it does feel weird um so uh fuck what's his name reese darby is in this movie right of of course um because of course it's a new zealand (laughs) film and and taika witty directed some episodes of fly of the concords yeah um and i'm assuming he knows the fly of the concords gang quite well as everyone in new zealand must know each other quite well anyway (laughs) Um, but his, his character only shows up for like maybe five to 10 minutes near towards the end of the film. And it feels very weird. It feels like, I don't know how to describe it's, it's like Reese Darby it, said he couldn't make it. And then he called when they were three quarters of the way through well, production <laughs> and was like, oh, actually no, I can it, make it. It feels more like. Uh, Taika Waititi had Reese Darby around on set and was like, man, I need to think of something to give this guy to do. <laughs> and so they just kind of wrote a little extra bit into the story. <laughs> I don't know if like this character originally had a bigger part in the book or originally wasn't in the book at all, but it, it feels like, I don't know, it, it just feels kind of a- out of place. His, his, ri- his character is so ridiculous that it feels out of place a bit with the rest of the movie, which is ridiculous, but not ungrounded. There was that... um. I think it was Chappie, did the, the movie Chappie. Mm. And it, oh yeah, good old Chappie. And they had they had Hugh Jackman in it, but he's only in it for, you know, like about ten minutes worth of the film or something. Yeah. But all the advertising yeah. made it out like he was basically the main yeah. character. Maybe like Re- well, he... Reese Darby is just so popular in like places like New Zealand that they, they were doing the same thing. Well, the, the the one of the leads of this movie, one of the leads, the thirteen year old boy is is Julian Dennison, who's kind of started being in more and more stuff since this. Um, he's in Deadpool two now, um, but the other lead is Sam Neill, who is a big enough name. That yeah, okay, no, you probably wouldn't <laughs> you need restart me yeah. then. The other thing you'll probably notice about this movie, if you're watching it, is you'll see a lot of uh, actors in this who were then in um, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, the person who plays the main villain is also the uh, the Grandmaster's right hand like woman in Ragnarok. Okay, and yeah. I think it's just because <laughs> Taika Waititi really liked her in this movie, and it was like, all right, I'm just going to put her in some more stuff because she's hilarious. Yeah, but she is. I mean, um, you see that you see that with other directors. Um, like the yeah. the Whedon clan is another one where like as, as soon as you hear the Whedons are behind a show, 
um, there's like five or six actors who you just know are going to show up within the first season or two. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it was even Agents of Shield, like back in the really average season one of Agents of Shield. You know, a, a huge chunk mm-hmm. of that. Uh, Firefly and Dollhouse crew still managed to to show up for a bit of it. To show up in it, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, but that's all I really want to talk about with this movie. I think it's it's a movie that's very charming and has a lot of heart, and also is very well made. And I think those three things kind of, or I guess two things, kind of combine to make it to elevate it as a really good, solid all round movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm pretty interested to check it out because obviously i think of taika watiti as just a comedy director at this point yes yeah. because what we do in the shadows is his sort of film that i'm familiar with and then thor ragnarok mm. is mostly a comedy and then obviously have the has the action mixed in um but i wouldn't have yeah. said that either of those two films were particularly uh, you know sort of emotionally heavy yeah I, and I would probably say, I mean, Thor Ragnarok has a couple of really good, well-composed shots that are clearly meant to be, like, posters. Yeah. Um, but all around, it's not that, like, interesting of a... Well, no, that's not right. What, what am I trying to say? Like, the sets and everything are very beautiful in Thor Ragnarok. It's a very well... It's a very good-looking movie, but it doesn't feel like it's... Well, it's, like, got interesting cinematography, you know, beyond... Um, the, the kind of inherent beauty of the world that they've created. Yeah, yeah. I maybe if it had come out before Guardians of the Galaxy, um, we'd feel mm. differently. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a movie that Hunt for the Wilder People is a movie that takes like New Zealand bushland, which is okay, pretty beautiful, and has some good scenic, you know, yeah. like looks to it. But it it makes it look so interesting, you know. Okay. Cool. Well, that's that, I guess. You'll, <laughs> you'll watch it in, and in two weeks we'll come back to talk about it and see what you thought. Yeah. So if you, audience you, want to watch and leave us your thoughts, there will be a discussion thread in the show notes down below where you can leave us your thoughts and we might t- uh, feature comments on the, on the uh, diagnosis episode in two weeks. Um, if you'd like to help us out, you could also leave us a review on iTunes, which we would really appreciate, or just kind of share the, fr- share the show with your friends. Um, our website, MediaMDPodcast.com, has links to do all of those things that I just mentioned, as well as ways to contact us and all of the previous clues for the MediaMD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why is his child so wild. Elliot, what's this week's clue? Ah, uh, backspace. Backspace. And we will see you next fortnight. <laughs>